Announcement. The revolution will not be televised. I repeat, the hemp revolution will not be televised. Welcome to the Hemp Revolution Podcast, the global hotspot for the buzz and the cannabis. Hear the secrets of the green rush from the dreamers who are writing the rules, innovating business, and changing history forever. Immerse yourself with the fascinating stories from the leaders in the hemp health revolution to learn how we are changing the game. Now here's your hosts, James Brinkerhoff and Sonia Gomez. What's up, everybody? Sonia Gomez coming to you from Denver, Colorado. This is another badass rock star episode of the Hemp Revolution podcast, where we are sharing and telling the stories of the people who are behind the products and brands that we know and love. If you are a consumer, a patient, a um, everyday person looking for natural alternatives and products that you can trust to deliver the results that you're looking for, check us out at medicalsecrets.com for some of our favorite picks and recommendations for products and brands. Um, If you are a business owner or budding entrepreneur and you're looking for some direction, resources, relationships, tips and tricks on how you can break through the inevitable glass ceilings and bottlenecks that come along with this incredible industry, check us out at theemeraldcircle.com where we have all the things that you need for your toolkit to succeed in the fastest growing cash rich industry in the world. I'm your hostess with the most is Sonia Gomez. And in today's episode, we are going to be visiting... Dr. Jim Alvino, who is the co-founder of Cannabis Health and Wellness Center and CBD Health and Wellness Center and the founder of Medical Cannabis Royalty Income Fund or MCRIF, whose underlying premise is that revenue royalties are superior to debt or equity in financing privately owned companies. Dr. Alvino is an international business coach, speaker, and speaker trainer just like yours truly, which is this is going to be such an exciting episode. He has worked with dozens of startups and entrepreneurs all over the world, helping them to build their business model, branding, marketing, and distribution so that they can share their magical messages with more people, creating more impact and more income, living the life of freedom that they have always wanted. This is work that is very near and dear to my heart. And at the end of the day, everything that you do is about passion, purpose, so that you can build profit in your incredible lives and businesses. Here to share his story, his wisdom, and all wealth of knowledge, Dr. Jim Alvino. Hey, Jim, how's it going? Hey, Sonia, thank you for that badass introduction. (laughs) You're welcome. You're a tough act to follow energetically. (laughs) Well, thank you much. It's always been more of an accusation than a compliment, especially coming from my parents. But uh, here we are. Here we are. Tell me straight from the horse's mouth a little bit about who you are, what you're up to, and how you got involved in this crazy industry. Absolutely. Fundamentally, I'm a business coach. I'm a business coach, speaker trainer, and uh, speaker and author. And a couple of years ago, to be honest with you, I my speaker training and business coaching took me all over Europe. In fact, took me all over five continents. Two weeks I was away. Two weeks I was home, and it was it was wonderful. There's no question about it. I met a lot of wonderful people, dozens of clients I I had, and it, it was just a fantastic experience, but very tiring. Yeah. So when I got finished that European tour. I said to my wife, you know, two things. One, I can't sustain this. 
And number two is I'm really not doing what I'm teaching other people to do. I haven't started a business in years. My coaching business is called Monetize Your Niche. And I started that in 2009. So I had been doing this for for 10 years. And uh, it was time again to look for the opportunities in the world. Yeah. And one was cannabis. The other was Bitcoin. I know nothing about Bitcoin. Cannabis was it. So I decided to, to uh, found a company and go from there. And it's been, it's been really good. It's a roller coaster ride, as you know. Things are a moving target in this industry, which makes it especially challenging for entrepreneurs and challenging for those people coming into the industry that think, well, this is it. I'm going to make my fortune and the rest will be, uh, ha- I'll live happily ever after. That's, that's what got me to where I, uh, where I am right now. Okay, awesome. That's, that's fantastic. And I think it's important to acknowledge, you know, a lot of people are making what I call the corporate to cannabis jump or coming out of the cannabis closet, expressing, you know, with confidence, their interest, um, their involvement, you know, that in most cases have been pretty extensive, but very private. And I love, love, love to see and hear and tell the stories of the folks who are making that transition, because I think that that is, you know, we're in this third wave of the industry develop the industry's development right now. The first wave was the Straganonas and, you know, our, our heartfelt hippies who are coming out of the woodworks, the ones who have sacrificed, you know, family and freedom and all of these things to battle out on behalf of our industry. Wave two were, you know, the the rockers who had some, I call them the Trustafarians, people who had some money, but maybe not as much business know-how, the right partnerships. Um, but now we're in phase three where the corporate to cannabis jumpers are coming in. Yes. You know, VC money is coming in, big business is on its way, and it's our time to build a recognizable, respected, trusted brand, um, implementing key differentiators. And I really, truly believe that it takes somebody with your kind of business savvy, understanding message to market match you know, how to effectively build a brand. These are the things that I want to talk with you about today because we are in a me too industry. Exactly. And (laughs) it's really, really difficult. There's only a couple of things that can help you differentiate who you are and what you stand for and what you're providing or what problem you're solving. So talk to me a little bit about your approach um, and your ideas around what it takes to differentiate yourself as a brand or a brand owner in a Me Too industry. Sure. Let me respond to the Me Too and the third wave uh, because it's not only a Me Too and it continues to be a Me Too. Yeah. But in the probably the first and second wave, it was a field of dreams. Build it and they will come. Yeah. You know, that's all we have to do. Let's open up a dispensary. We can we can make our fortune. And of course, there's a shakeout. Um, and stage three, as you describe it, is probably that shakeout where the big money's coming in. Mm-hmm. Uh, stage one and stage two people who, who typically were not business people. Like you say, stage one might have been the hippie type. Stage two might have been those with money and figure they could put their money in the investment. But bottom line is neither people of stage one or stage two knew or know how to run a business. And there's still people coming in who don't know how to run a business. And first and foremost, the cannabis business is a business. So all of the things that you think of that are necessary in running a business apply to this industry. 
It's not a field of dreams. It's not build it and they will come and I will make my fortune. Uh, if that's where your thinking still is, it's going to be open the doors and close the doors because there's not, there's not room for um, a dispensary on every corner. That's the joke about, about Seattle. You know, there's a, there's a Starbucks on every corner and a dispensary on every corner. Yeah. And sooner or later, the Starbucks maybe stay open, but the dispensaries close because there's yeah. not enough, there's not enough differentiation. Yeah. So um, I, I want to just, I want to just throw this piece in there um, because I think, you know, it, the idea of running a business is pretty unique in this industry, similar to sports gambling or cryptocurrencies. The rules do not apply here. And what you feel is most natural or um, necessary as a part of your business, i.e. advertising, banking, distribute, those things prove to be some of the most challenging aspects of running a cannabis or CBD company. So go ahead and go ahead and dive right in. But I just wanted to throw that out. Sure. No, no. I think that I think the the clear the clear uh, set of questions in thinking about differentiating yourself, whatever side of the industry you're on, whether you're on the grow side, whether you're on the dispensary side, whether you're production, manufacturing, whatever it is, the three questions that you have to ask yourself. Number one is why should anybody buy from me or invest in me? Number two question is probably the most unique, and that is, how easy is it to imitate me? And if it's easy to imitate you, then there's no reason to buy or invest in you. And then the third question is, would they think of me first or second or not at all? And you want people thinking of you, thinking of you first, even at the dispensary level. Why should I go to this dispensary and not that dispensary? What are the value adds? that I get from going to dispensary A and not dispensary B. Uh, you carry the same product, typically carry the same brands. What we know is that even in this industry, in the, in the absence of a value proposition, you know, why go to me versus another person? The consumer will always, always uh, go with the cheapest brand, will always go with, with the, the, the least amount of cost. That's a problem today. Because uh, there are things on the market that purport to be CBD, which are perhaps only hemp seed oil. And there's trace, right? There's only trace amounts of CBD and hemp seed oil. So when you. If any at all. If if any at all. So when you can buy something called CBD at Whole Foods, I looked and I saw some at Whole Foods the other day, or Costco, or Sprouts, or wherever you get it, it's not the real deal. So uh, the, the, one of the value adds that any business can offer is that education that you referred to. There's a, there's a huge gap in education. And if I can help educate you about what the product is, what it really does, what's the purity, the efficacy, the potency of the product, of my product compared to your product or this product or product that you think that you can get in a, in a big box store, so to speak, then that's going to be part of the of the value add that uh, any company can um, uh, can benefit from. Another is innovation. Clearly, you differentiate yourself from uh, from by by innovation. I have, for the sake of transparency, I have a small interest in another company called Smart Cannabis, mm-hmm. and they have an app that helps growers monitor and regulate their growth, okay? This is innovation. 
So if you can, if you look at technology side of it, mm-hmm. if you're if you're into that uh, dimension, where can I innovate in this industry to bring new technology, fresh technology that helps the industry overall? So that would be that would be an example. Product innovation, company innovation is 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 absolutely absolutely critical. What? Go ahead. I was just gonna say it's really funny because I, 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 you're the, you're one of the only other people that I hear um, talk about product innovation that in a similar capacity as I do, and I think um, a lot of people's best efforts are going into innovating. But I say this all the time. I probably in the last three episodes I have said there are no new ideas. There are only opportunities to innovate the ones that are already in existence. You have to put your own spin, your own version, try and break it and figure out what, how to make it better exactly. um, because there are no new ideas. I mean, we are literally <laughs> flooded with every version of what is possible right now. And it's just a matter of tailoring what's already in existence to be the new, bigger, better, faster thing. And part of that, part of that is, is assessing need, assessing mm-hmm. need in the marketplace, which means being able to recognize the voids. And you recognize recognize the voids or are able to in processes like strategic planning processes, which I'm an expert at. I've done a lot of this all over the place. I've worked with Hilton Hotels in strategic planning and, and uh, branding. I've worked with McDonald's uh, in working with their their uh, owners and their their supervisors to see if I can you know help them do a better job in in what they do. So where's the need? Where's the void? And unless you're looking at that, then you're not going to you're not going to be able to innovate. There's an enormous amount of creativity in product naming. Hmm. I mean, that's incredible to me. I mean, I I just think that all kinds of the product names are are crazy. They're 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 wonderful innovations. Uh, but is the product different? Is the product different? And does it, does it add to the medical side of the industry or the recreational side of the industry? When we founded our company, we made a deliberate effort to choose the medical side. And hence also the uh, medical cannabis royalty income fund as a, as a spinoff uh, of that. Because we believe in innovation, in alternative modalities of healing. So that's where, that's where I think the medical side can really contribute to what's going on in the health and wellness industry. Recreation's great. I mean, it's the, the market's glutted in the recreational side. In the, in the medical side, there's still opportunity, I think, for growth. Yeah, I would have to agree. Well, they said that, that there's there's some studies out, and I'll have to reference back to the article, but there's some studies out showing right now that the quote-unquote medical market is disappearing, and I have to completely disagree. I think that the medical market is actually thriving, but what's different is the regulation around availability and accessibility for patients. There, you know, in the time of 96 to, I don't know, 2018, um, and then likewise here in Colorado, 
um, you know, from the year 2000 all the way to 2009, you were required or till 13, you were required to have a medical card and register yourself, you know, with the state. And it was all of this like hyper invasive, uh, you know, invasion of privacy really to, in order to gain access and people were, you know, emphasizing pain conditions and, you know, creating, manifesting, you know, pain conditions so that they could get their cards and get access to cannabis. Now that it's a recreational market and anybody can get access to it by flashing their driver's license and walking into the door, there isn't that need to claim yourself as a medical patient. So although I still believe that the majority of folks, especially new users are coming on board for medical purposes or some sort of physical, emotional, mental release um, or relief, I don't believe that those metrics indicate or showcase how many people are in fact benefiting or, or using cannabis or hemp-based products for medical purposes. So um, I, I think that those numbers are quite a bit skewed. And especially because the baby boomers are the fastest growing demographic to exactly. adopt cannabis use. Yes, You know that they're not just getting rebellious when they you know, right. strike a 55. They're not just like, oh, fuck this. We're coming in, <laughs> coming exactly. in hot. Like, exactly. no, they're feeling the effects of aging and trying to trying to deal with it yeah i don't think the i don't think the medical uh piece of this is disappearing it is evolving in an interesting way i mean you take a look at fda regulations for example and the fda is going to get its hands as already has has its hands in it yeah even, even with labeling it's unbelievable that you cannot put any claims of what the cbds my my company for example focuses on cbd it's, we, we don't sell uh, THC products. Again, there's no principle behind that other than, you know, we, we believe in CBD and, and the THC can go with the, it has medical benefits, but we've kind of separated that out of, of, uh, of what we do. But even with CBD products, whether it's based on CBD isolate, whether it's full spectrum CBD with the THC out of there, you cannot put on a label of your bottle or the box, the purported value or use of the CBD. You can just put CBD sublingual spray, CBD pills. You can't say maybe beneficial at relieving anxiety. Here's a pain relief for you. Try this. You can't even say that anymore. No, you can't. As a matter of fact, anything, and this is how I'm advising my clients right now, there are loopholes. And and I, I know them well because I'm all over the damn internet talking about it. But the loopholes are as long as it's not a medical diagnosis, That's right. you can refer to it. Um, so a, a, occasional discomfort, yeah. <laughs> occasional sleeplessness, like <laughs> stress. Rather than anxiety, it's crazy to me. Because it, it, it is crazy. And those even, are not the self-identifiers. No, even even with the FDA, everybody puts the uh, FDA disclaimer, you know, on on their on their products. You know, this product has not been evaluated by the FDA. It's not meant to treat, cure, diagnose disease, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, even with that, it's a it's a challenge to um, 
put your product out there and be able to say, you know, say what it does. We're in the process right now, relabeling. Because in the early days, and we got out there early, relatively early, we had, you know, claims, quote unquote, on um, all our labels. But we're, we're relabeling right now to take all of those uh, off so that we can be more um, FDA compliant. Another way, Sonia, in which I think that um, the, the medical side is evolving, and it does also reflect one of the principles in strategic planning that, that I teach, and it has to do with who you choose in your strategic alliances. And we are aligned with other companies who are really specializing in the, in the medical space. So one of the ways in which we differentiate our side, uh, our, our company, is to make that choice. Make that choice. And, and these include companies in California. These include companies in Colorado that are focused on medical. And so um, we do as well. And we're happy, we're happy in that space. I get a call, I have a call from a, a woman in Seattle who discovered us somehow, probably on the internet, um, who is, uh, right? I mean, it's, she didn't come here. She didn't come to California, but um, who um, uh, is purchasing product from us, is purchasing product from us uh, because she can't get this particular product uh, elsewhere, or can't find it elsewhere. It's certainly uh, uh, available, but um, no. Again, she's there for for the medical reasons, and she's using a lot of it because of various ailments that she has that CBD helps with. It's so incredible to me, and a huge motivator when I'm hearing the stories from the patients whose lives are being transformed by these products. Is like, ah, uh, it is like at the end of the day when every discouraging thing could ever happen. And then you get that one three page email from a mom who's just like telling her whole set. You're just like, all right, fine. I'll get back up and go go back to war. It's it's, it's so incredible to hear the transformations. And I got to be honest, I was a naysayer when I, when the CBD market started Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because I'm so, I was so, um, heavy, heavy in the cannabis industry. I was so immersed in, in the feeling that like God created the plant as it should be and any benefits that we're receiving from it are because of the way that God made it. And, you know, forget science coming in here and starting to pick the whole thing apart. I was very opinionated about it. But then I started to get people's emails and, and, and communications and hearing their stories. And I was like, I was totally, I was thrown off my soapbox around CBD being diet weed. Yeah, I yeah. used to call it diet, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and um, and now I still, I mean, even still to this day, I tease because I think I'm I approached using CBD looking for a feeling, like mm. wanting to feel it, like I do cannabis. But what I recognized was CBD wasn't something. CBD products, at least the ones I was taking, were not something that gave me a recognizable feeling That's so right. much as it was something that suddenly eliminated the, my suffering. Yeah. It alleviated the feeling. Yeah. It alleviated the feeling rather than gave me a new one. And I I really loved that key differentiator and and self-awareness that I was able to come to in my own personal experience. And I think a lot of other folks, especially new users who are just feeling the endocannabinoid system getting like 
sparked, jumped, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's such an incredible um, thing to hear them talk about their own personal experiences. Why don't you take a moment and share with us a little bit about what Cannabis Health and Wellness Center or CBD Health and Wellness Center actually does. And then I'd love to hear more about the cannabis, the medical cannabis royalty income fund too. Sure. Well, the the company per se is actually called CHWC Group. And we have, that's our LLC. And we have two divisions. One is Cannabis, B-I-Z, CannabisSolutions.net. Love that. That's our education, insurance, and business opportunity website. The second division is our online store, and that's mycbd4wellness.com, F-O-R, mycbdwellness.com, which is our, um, our CBD store. So um, we made the decision that we're, we wanted to be full service companies, a company uh, for people. And that includes the, again, business, business opportunities, but strategic planning, education, Insurance, we offer insurance. My co-founder is, is uh, an insurance broker. So we also offer insurance in, in cannabis uh, industry and we'll insure anything and everything. We have, the, uh, we have appointments with all the major uh, cannabis insuring uh, companies. So we do that as, as well. Um, we put out, we of course put out blogs and any, anything related to education that awesome. uh, where, we can, where we can educate the public about about CBD in particular and, and why it's a good thing. Um, my CBD for wellness.com is our online store. We have our own brand, my CBD for wellness uh, brand, but we carry a number of other brands too. And we, what we decided, Sonia, was it would be a good idea to be a bit of a hub of recognized uh, CBD uh, companies some of the some of the brands are sort of unknown brands. Some are that. are really are 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 more known. But um, so we we position ourselves also as um, as a hub, so we can help people do the education, the strategic planning, the business development. I mean, I, I help people build their business model, and I take them through seven or eight step. Uh, strategic planning process that involves first team building and we need to get everybody on the same page and maybe in cannabis companies everybody is on the same page but often we we have an expression in strategic planning where it says you can't plan your way out of the present what that means is if you've got any issues with your team any issues with your current company one form or another directly or indirectly they are going to sabotage your efforts to grow yeah. So we take care of team building. We help them build a mission and a vision. We create what are called quantifiable measures of success, which are really goals and action plans and, and that sort of thing. And we help people look at their, their exit strategy, which should be one of the number one things you look at, believe it or not, when you launch a company. What's my exit strategy? A little aside, if I may, when I, when I launched the company, my coaching company, Monetize Your Niche, I really liked that phrase. I had to go after somebody had already gotten the domain name. Uh, so I tracked that person down. He was in the UK. I bought the domain name from that person. And I said to my uh, trademark attorney, all right, Stephanie, I really, I want to go all in here. I think I've got a really good niche uh, name, uh, business name, monetize your niche. 
And I want to trademark that and go from, this was even before I launched the company, Sonia. And she said, that's great, Jim. We can do that. What's your exit strategy? And my jaw dropped. I said, or I don't even have an entrance strategy yet. And you don't know <laughs> do us. But that's how you reverse engineer what you do. Mm-hmm. What are you planning to do? Are you planning to acquire more? Are you planning to reach a certain amount of revenue and then, and then sell? What's, what's the game plan? What's the exit strategy? Yeah. We, do ex, we do action plan and, and financials and, and so forth. So that's, our, that's the skinny on the strategic planning process that I work with people in helping them build their, their business model. On the, um, on the medical side, on the CBD side, I've got a number of, you know, small investors in my company. My company is a small company and we started out with friends and family. And one of, one of whom is a kinesiologist, is a kinesiologist who uses actually CBD. In fact, it was Rick Simpson oil, which does have THC in it, but Mm -hmm. Rick Simpson oil cured his son. You know, you're not allowed to say CBD cured anything, THC cured anything, but he had a very severe, I guess, um, autistic-like, high anxiety mm. kind of, of behavior. A lot of, lot of, ang- lot of ticks, you know, and, and that sort of thing. And um, it, Rick Simpson oil really calmed him down. He became one of uh, my investors. And uh, he's a kinesiologist. He has white labeled our product, sells a lot of it out of his clinic. And Amazing. Actually, we've, we've devised, we've devised a, a, a test to, to back up the lab results. Everybody has to have lab results. Okay, granted. But the lab results are always going to say, oh, yes, this is great. I mean, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, between you and me. This is what they do. And you've probably already heard stories of companies buying the results they want. But we've, he's created, together we've created sort of a kinesiological test to test for efficacy, potency, and purity of a product. And we have tested, we, have, we set a, a, an arbitrary scale of 100, ours being 100, right? And, and it tested at 100. And we brought another, we brought a, a variety of brands in to test kinesiologically speaking. And couple tested, in fact, there was a, there's a company I'm affiliated with in Colorado, um, definitely geared toward the medical side, a wholesaler. His tested at 100, but we've brought other brands in, more popular brands who have tested at 30 on a scale of 100. Okay. Plus also tested for the presence of allergens as opposed to no allergens. So I won't name names, but there are a lot of products out there that don't do what they say they're going to do. And they're full of, they're full of allergens. So we take it, we take it very seriously. Uh, when we look at brands to carry, we, we test them ourselves through, through this particular method of seeing the purity, potency, efficacy of this product. Efficacy meaning, does the product do what it's supposed to do? Yeah, when it's supposed to do it every time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's test it on, on your body and see if it actually works. So we're, we're very committed to this, very committed to this. We're, we're committed to bringing on more and more good brands that we can market. And, and I would invite people to... to um, in that regard, to get in touch with me uh, if they have product that they would like to advertise or market on our website, we'd be glad to to take a look at it. 
Yeah, I have actually a handful of brands that I've personally nurtured that are just fantastic and they're diverse. Um, so I'd love to share those with you offline. And I, that's a lot of what I've focused on is helping brands and businesses really raise the bar and get up to par where yes. they should be so that they can be you know, differentiated from the rest of the crowd as being a product exactly. that is trusted, recognized, respected for delivering consistent, reliable results. Over Precise. and over again. Um, and then tell me about the fund that you have oh, created. Yes. Okay. So um, I'm working on creating a $100 million um, medical cannabis royalty income fund. Okay. Yeah, I know. I know. It's a, it's a mouthful. It'd be a wallet full if, if, I, could raise, if I could raise that money. But basically, <laughs> the prem, and I'm working with, and I, I, I won't share his name because he did not know I was, I'm going to do this podcast, but I'll say, simply say, I'm working with probably the world's foremost authority on revenue royalties. Okay. So I'll just, for now, I'll just leave it at that. But basically it is, it is a, a fund that allows investors to make financing uh, available to entrepreneurs uh, for a percentage of their revenue, for royalties on their revenue. So entrepreneurs love this because you don't have to give up equity in your company or you don't have to go into debt. So we think it's superior to debt or equity in financing companies, mm-hmm. uh, applicable uh, obviously to, to cannabis uh, companies. Established companies would be better, but startups are, are, are possible. The, so the, as, as far as the, the entrepreneur is concerned, I don't have to give up equity. I don't have to, you know, let's face it, CEOs of companies often engage in a number of shenanigans to show a, 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 a lower bottom line, a lower profit than, than they might otherwise, you know, for tax purposes, um, for, you know, the investors don't get as much back. <laughs> you know, um, I'm going to buy all my staff a Mercedes because I've got the money and it's a cost. You know, it's, okay. So the investor doesn't have to worry about management shenanigans like that. They don't have to worry about management deciding how they're going to use their profit. The royalties are based only on revenue. So um, the fund is, uh, investors would buy into the fund, buy units into, into the fund, and literally purchase royalties from a company. Purchase royalties from a company, and these things are monitored. There are lots of investment, investor protections with that. And let's say that the, the company is really, you know, really, really crushing it. And saying to themselves, you mean I have to pay these revenues for the next royalties for the next 20 years? No. There are ways out for both the investor and the company um, to get out of the agreements, if you will, um, for... To renege. To, to, well, <laughs> there are conditions There are conditions written from the outset. So that, uh, for example, if I were... Uh, if I were an entrepreneur, my company's doing really well, I would really, um, let's say you were the investor, I really don't want to pay these uh, royalties to you anymore. You say, that's fine, Jim. Um, you've been in it. We've been doing this for five years. You will pay me five times my investment minus the royalties that I've already received. 
as an example. Or if we've been in it 10 years, that's fine, Jim, you want out, no problem. As we've agreed, you will pay me 10 times the money that I invested minus the royalties that I've already been paid. And I'm happy with this because I'm crushing it. And now I no longer have, have to pay the royalties. The, the investor has a lot of protections, we, details we probably don't have time to, to, to go into. But suffice it to say that the investor doesn't have to worry about the kinds of things that most investors do when they are equity investors and they're, they're, you know, they're pressing the company to go, up, to, to go public or they're pressing the company for a sale or they're pressing the company to cut its expenses. The investors don't care now. What I care about are documented revenues that I get paid quarterly as part of our agreement. So that's a very superficial um, uh, presentation on what the model is, is, uh, is about, but it has advantages. It has advantages for both investor and entrepreneur. Amazing. What cool businesses. I absolutely love. Um, tell me a little bit about, as, as we both know, being a part of this industry, any business really, but specifically in this industry, there are some unique challenges that different business models will face. What for you were some of the biggest hurdles that you have to or have had to overcome in order to get to where you are right now? Yeah, I'll give you one that's kind of silly, um, but it was it was done out of um, ignorance on my part. We opened up we opened up a bank account. We opened up a bank account. I will, again, I won't mention the bank, uh, but the bank opened You're up. So politically correct. No, well, <laughs> you know, um, we opened up uh, uh, a bank account. The the bank allowed us. It's a big bank. It's a huge bank. And we, the bank allowed us to open up an account under the name Cannabis Health and Wellness Center. This is a couple of years ago. <laughs> oh, I'm perfect. Got the account. Everything is copacetic. 60 days later, <laughs> <laughs> I get a letter that says, we no longer want a relationship with you. We're closing your account. We're closing your business account. We're closing your personal account. We're closing your father's account. Okay. I mean, they just went all out. They closed I, your dad's account? Because my personal account was linked to my dad's account. He was up in years at the time. And, you know, I was paying for bills, his bills. And so, so they closed all these accounts. And, and um, that's, that's one thing I learned. So I counsel people, be careful what your name is. You know, um, uh, I was really, I was really naive. I thought, well, hey, this is pretty good. I have I have several accounts in this bank. They're going to open up. <laughs> this is really great. So, um, and I'm on a list at that bank that I can never again open an account at this bank. Oh my god, so it's, funny! It's it's a who cares? Uh, it it just you know it just has to be. Yeah. So, so banking is uh, continues to be a big challenge. Continues to be a big challenge. Merchant processing. Is another big challenge. Yeah. I had a situation, again, a personal situation, so I know these things firsthand, where merchant account, no problem. All of a sudden, one of the major merchants pulled out of the cannabis industry, and there went my visa. I could take the other cards, but I couldn't take visa. Most people have visa. So we had to do workarounds until 
Visa got reinstated, finally, through other banking sources. It's opening up, but banking is still is still an issue. You're so positive. You're like, it's opening up. It's like, that's well, the manifestation, the manifestation. Yeah, there's, there's, there's actually, yes, I am by personality, highly optimistic and highly enthusiastic. <laughs> Perfect. But it is, it does appear to be, objectively speaking, opening up. <laughs> okay. No, it is. It is. It's yeah. definitely opening yeah. up. And, you know, thank God, because they're really leaving a lot of money on the table by not oh, God, opening yes. it up. Yeah. Any anything else that was a that was a a drop in the road? That was the, those were the the major in the in the early days. I mean, prices really changed. For example, on isolate, my products based on again on the isolate. Um, my my I was paying when we first started. I was paying twelve thousand dollars a kilo. That's down to forty five hundred four thousand dollars, and it's and it's and it's good product. It's it's good product. So that has changed. That's uh, again for you know. Yeah. There is an awful lot of uh, uh, hemp on the market. There's a lot of marijuana, I guess, that just went up in smoke a few months ago. Um, that uh, you know, just too much product. So that's that's something that this industry will also see. I mean, supply and demand. You know, um, if you're if you're running a company, if you're running a grow. And you're producing on that side, and you're not thinking about distribution or what the competition's doing or what the market is like. You just think you're going to grow, 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 and it's going to, you know, I'm going to be able to sell, sell, sell. That's not the case. So um, I think uh, I'm also optimistic that they're that the companies, whatever they're doing, are coming to see that the business principles actually do apply, apply to this industry. And we better have some basic understanding of economics, basic understanding of supply and demand, uh, and, and, and also recognizing that this industry is still a moving target. It's still evolving. The regulations are still involve, uh, evolving. Uh, the the what you, the the uh, parameters of what you can do and not do the legalities the bank everything is a moving target right now so get in at your own risk but but at least at least put together a strategic plan so you have some idea of where you're going and what you want out of this I think that that's extremely sound advice. And I was actually just going to ask you every episode, we do some words of wisdom where we might use our own experience or the experience of some of our clients or colleagues to shape the way that we would advise somebody um, to who is getting started in this industry or who might be a few steps behind us. What would be some key pieces of advice, knowing that what you know now, um, that you would offer somebody if they were just getting started in this space? Number, number one, and I believe in very strongly, is get somebody such as myself to do a strategic plan for you. Know where you're going. You know, Jack Welch, legendary CEO of GE, says, you know, uh, if, if you don't have a competitive advantage, don't compete. Well, you can't just believe you have a competitive advantage when you go into this industry or any industry. Do some planning. Consult some, consult some experts. Pull a team together. 
do some thinking, do some, build some strategic alliances, build some relational capital first. Yes. Relational capital is, is even more important often than capital capital. So that would be, that would be one of the very first pieces of advice I would give somebody. Know where you're going, know what you want to get out of it, and don't just jump in because if you just jump in, you're going to lose. You're absolutely going to lose. That would be my major piece of advice on you. I think it's excellent, excellent advice. All right. Channeling in for my words of wisdom, what would I piggyback onto that? I love what you said about the business model and really understanding what kind of business you actually are. Are you a community business? Are you a product business? Are you a media company? All of these different kinds of businesses have different roadmaps to success and, and different ways to approach creating strategic partnerships, pulling resources together, and what the strategic planning is associated with the business model. It is not a one-size-fits-all. I don't care what industry you're a part of. Really understand understanding who you are and what marketplace you're serving and becoming a contender in will allow you to properly create the foundational pillars that you need in order to build the skyscraper of a company that you are envisioning. The second thing that I would say is crafting a message that matches your marketplace and authentically captures the attention connects with that ideal prospect or person and then effortlessly and automated uh, with some automation can convert them into a sale. This is how you get the mailbox money, you know, sort of um, advantage of digital marketing. And whether or not you are doing this on or offline, you should at the drop of a hat be able to say, who you are, what you do, what problem you're solving for whom in a way that tells somebody that makes somebody say like, really, I want to know more. You're just given the components of a fantastic mission statement. Yes, absolutely. And having that clarity, having that clarity will instill confidence in who you are as a brand, as a business owner. And that is so necessary when you're building your team. If your team doesn't have the confidence in the direction or vision of the company, you, it's easy to hire hard to fire, but it's way easier for people to take your IP and to take it to another company that has clarity in their vision. Yes. Yes. The next, the final thing that I will say is don't skimp. If you skimp in your investment, investing in yourself, whether that looks like getting a proper mentor or support system around you so that you yourself are nurtured and nourished into the areas of expertise that you are necessary to develop in the next phases of growth. If you do not have that type of mentorship or relationship around you that is nurturing and nourishing you as a leader of a team, you're going to find yourself in trouble because you don't know what you don't know. And you need someone who's navigated those waters on your side, helping you map out your direction. Um, The other reason, the other areas that you should be investing heavily into is marketing 
and advertising. There are many creative ways to loophole your way into being able to advertise and market and gain trust and exposure inside of the marketplace that you want to serve. Um, You have to be creative and you have to be willing to put your money on the table because these things are not free. They're not free for us to do. They're not free for you to do. It's just the way of the world. And what you put in is what you're going to get out. It's all a numbers game. So knowing what your resources are ahead of time will help you to manage your expectations and opportunities as you are growing and building into this business. That's true across the board, no matter what business that you're in, but especially in this one, do not skimp and do not underestimate, always overestimate the amount and um, be pleasantly surprised when it doesn't take the amount of money that you have available um, um, to build and grow. Let me piggyback on your piggyback. Sure. Real real quickly. First thing with regard to um, uh, strategic planning is a bit of a cliche, but it's true. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Oh, yeah. I say 80% on planning, 20 on execution. Exactly. Second thing is with regard to coaching, absolutely have a coach, have a mentor. I have several. I'm a business coach. I have several coaches. You don't know what you don't know. And we get locked into our own blinders. Well, we're a product of our own best thinking. (laughs) Yes, yes we are. Yes, we are. And and the third thing, when you referred uh, to the numbers, and I also mentioned relational capital, put 70% of your time into relational capital, 20% of your time into marketing, marketing, like you you said. Our percentages might be different, but 10% of your time in knowing your numbers. What are your numbers? What are your ratios? What what, What do you have? Where do you have to get in order to be successful? Yeah. Yeah. So, so important. I, I allocate about 30% um, to my marketing. Critical. Uh, yeah. Critical. So critical. And and my, my strategy is a little bit different in the sense that I don't necessarily have a physical product that I am selling. Mm-hmm. Um, but I put so much money behind my marketing and, and exposure because I'm a media company and I provide marketing for... Um, and exposure for other companies. So I know that if I invest 30%, I can provide somebody a 60% return. You know, so this is doing things over time, everything compounds, you'll see a 10% return first month, you know, maybe 20% the second month, up to 40%, depending on the channels that you're developing. So it's really important to have a full picture and really get the people who don't have the blinders on, right? Your focus is right here. And how am I going to tunnel vision win this race? And your support system, the way that you build your team, first of all, hire your weaknesses, don't try and play all of the roles. Ask better questions. So don't be the one that has all of the answers. There's two different types of leaders. There's the teaching teacher and the leading learner. In order for you to be successful in what you're doing doing in a leadership role, you have to be the leading learner and you have to shift the quality of the questions that you are asking if you want to get a different answer. That's exactly right. If and we you, know... We, we know you are brilliant at relational capital, building relational capital. Let's face it. You have to be like you say, you're a media company. Yeah. You need to, you need to know how to reach out and to reach out well and to build those networks. And obviously you're doing a brilliant job and a wonderful job in this industry. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. I, if you would have asked me, 
even two years ago, three years ago, when we first started this thing as a hobby project, by the way, my mentor right here, Mike Mm -hmm. Keenigs, Mike Keenigs, who helped me publish my first book and all of this stuff. um, He, he looked at me one day and was just like, you're an idiot. If you don't market the fact that you have specialized knowledge in what will be the fastest growing industry in the world. And so as a hobby, while I was on my deathbed, pregnant with my fourth, fourth child, my husband started legalize it, don't criticize it. And every once in a while, he'd walk by my bed and be like, oh, we hit 5,000 today. Oh, we hit 20,000 today. Oh, we have 50,000 people on our follower. I'm in labor. And he's like, hey, babe, we got 90,000 people. I'm like, I'm having a baby. And then like a week later, he says, we just hit 100,000 people on our page. You should probably do a video. I'm like, my hair's like this. I'm like, you know, there's breast milk everywhere. I wanted to talk to nobody. But I popped on and I did a video. And this is the importance of message to market matter and where I really firsthand experienced this. Um, I, had, I had seen it and witnessed it with my clients, but never experienced it myself. I jumped on, made a quick video. This is like in the early days of, of Facebook Live. Did a quick video, talked to my audience, and somehow... I just hit the nail on the head. I would, there was no plan around it. It was just, I took some time to read the comments and I responded directly to the things that I was reading in 45 days. We grew to 345,000 followers and it's the power of creating that personal connection Mm -hmm. with your your community that will start to move them into a different type of engagement and action with who you are, what you do and the, and the way that you do it. The mission that you have is to create a movement behind the product or brand or service that you're providing. And if you can do that, it's something that becomes bigger than yourself. The money is just a natural, the natural result of the value that you're bringing into the marketplace and the leverage that you're using to do it. Well put. Thank you. Thank you. Any, I, this has been like just such a great interview for me. I'm like fully yeah. nourished by, yeah. by our exchange. What are some words, oh, some, some final words of wisdom that you'd like to share with our community before we end our conversation? For I, I would also like to send people to our website. Oh, please do. Yes. Where can folks right. find you if they so, would like to find you? www, of course, mycbd4forwellness.com. Mycbd4wellness.com. And if you go there and you make a purchase, of of our products, our brand, and put in the coupon code Jim fifty. We'll give you fifty percent off anything that we 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 sell you. Boo! Yeah, you guys, fifty percent off coupon using Jim. What was the coupon code again? Five zero. Jim five zero. Jim five zero will get you fifty percent off. Yeah, and probably the final word words of wisdom have to do with with more of more of having the character trait of persistence, but at the same time, flexibility. You know, um, know when you're beating a dead horse and going and should, should go in a different direction. But at the, the same time, don't give up, as that, that book says, don't give up three feet from gold. You know, pursue, persist, and uh, do the right things. 
and you're, you will be uh, rewarded. That has been my experience in working, as I say, Sonia, with dozens, dozens and dozens of people all over the world in helping them create their talks in helping them build their, build their business model. Uh, and the answer to, you know, what is my business model is a very simple question. How do I make money? And if you get clarity on how you're going to make money directly and indirectly, you've got it made. I'd love to have a follow-up interview where we're talking more specifically about identifying your business model and taking them through a little bit of an exercise. I think it would be so super valuable. I'd be glad, I'd be glad to do that. I use, I use mind mapping when I'm helping people build out their business model. I don't know if you... If you I love it. You know, what would be really fun, and now we're getting into our cliff notes here, but what would be really fun is if you wanted to take me through the exercise and we could use, we could use it as like a hot seat um, sort of version, um, to show them like what is necessary. And then we can, we can, that would be terrific because I know all of the components in a business model, you're already there. So what we would, what we would do, what, what it would be, be illustrating your business model to your, your people, your viewers. I'm happy, happy to lift the skirt. Y'all take a look at my legs. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Let's yeah, I, th- I would love to do that. Okay, you guys stay tuned for the follow-up right, on this one. We are going to make it good um, yeah. and bring you guys some bonus value and lift the skirt on Sonia's business. Sonia, you're too much. It's going to be like crazy. I better wear full back underwear that day. I'm going to say, you know, <laughs> depends on how far you lift that skirt. That's <laughs> better wear some full back underwear that day. <laughs> Okay, good fun. Hey, guys, for those of you who are tuning in, thank you so much for being a part of this incredible community. As you know, it is our mission to bring you the truth about cannabis and hemp while sharing the stories of the people who are pushing this incredible industry forward and show you the faces behind the products and brands that you know and love. We are committed to helping you make educated, empowered decisions so that you can know exactly what you want to do and how you want to do it when it comes to taking care of yourself, the people that you love and the conditions you may be suffering from. If you are looking for products that you can trust to deliver the results you're looking for, check us out on medicalsecrets.com. And if you are a budding entrepreneur looking for some direction on how to do what you want to do, the way that you should be doing it, check us out at theemeraldcircle.com. I am your hostess with the mostest and this is the Hemp Revolution podcast. We'll see you on our next show, guys. Thanks so much, Jim. Ciao, Sonia. Thanks for listening to this episode. We took notes on this episode for you, along with all the links and resources mentioned in the episode. Get them free on the show notes page here at www.medicalsecrets.com. If you love this show and our content, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you really want to help us get the message out there, please rate, review, and tell all your friends. With your help, we can continue to reach the world with our message. And until next time, we hope you join the hemp revolution, and we challenge you to dream big and love the life you live.